Now, there's been a lot of attention across the UK on the options or offer of pain relief when it comes to the coil and IUD insertion. And what are the options, the choices and the costs? And like a lot of things, when it comes to women's healthcare, there seems to be some inconsistencies when it comes to these options. Uh, we put a call out on social media asking for anyone who had an IUD to tell us about their experience. We were actually inundated with the good, the bad and the in-between stories. Here's some of the responses that we got. I got my Kylina in July last year. Um, before the procedure, I was given cervix softening pills and I was t- told to take um, ibuprofen beforehand. Um, the pain was up there at one of the worst of my life. Um, I nearly passed out during it. Um, and then afterwards, for about a month afterwards, I, I got cramps that were um, so bad they would take your breath away. Um, I'd still get like bad period pain now, but overall the pain has stopped. Hi, Brianna. Uh, my name's Neve. Um, I actually had a pretty positive experience with mine. I hadn't been pregnant before and this was my first time getting an IUD. I went for one of the non-hormonal ones. Uh, the GP gave me a prescription for the IUD for some mesoprostol, sulfidine and a single Valium. And she explained what to do with each of the meds. And when I actually booked the appointment to get the IUD inserted, uh, the GP asked the receptionist to just text me a reminder of what to do with uh, with everything. I felt really safe with that doctor. She explained what she was doing and how each stage of the process was going. Um, it was very painful, I'm not going to lie, but it wasn't painful in a frightening or traumatic way and it didn't last long. Uh, I think that the fact that the doctor was explaining everything and what she was doing at all stages probably really helped there. Um, and she gave me aftercare instructions when she was finished and they included things like um, more prescription pain relief for a couple of days and some kind of self-comforting activities like spooning a heat pack on the couch and treating myself to dessert or something nice. Um, and she had me make an appointment to come back in about a month later to make sure that everything was sitting okay and that it wasn't causing any issues. Like I said, it was a pretty positive experience. I had a non-hormonal copper IUD implanted four years ago in Dublin. The cost of the coil itself was 35 euro and the insertion was around 350. I went to a GP, albeit one that I had to seek out specifically as not all providers offer non-hormonal coil options and my medical history means hormonal coils are not an option for me. I wasn't offered any pain relief in advance of the procedure and during it I fainted and lost consciousness which I was told was not super common so I was pretty unlucky in that regard. I was put on bed rest for the rest of the day and advised to take over-the-counter painkillers such as paracetamol after. It was mostly smooth sailing after that and I'm really happy I got it but I wish the coil wasn't so expensive because IUDs are I think a great option for people and should be more easily available. I had an IUD uh, fitted last year and it was the worst medical procedure um, I've ever experienced. Definitely, definitely worse than childbirth. Um, The pain was so horrific I just thought I was going to faint. My GP, he's really experienced in uh, women's health, wasn't able to insert it. Um, My build is quite small and she said that that was a factor. She had to abandon the procedure after about 20 minutes. At that point, I was literally shaking and just about to be sick. Um, I had no idea the pain would be that bad. Um, I have been told uh, before just to take ibuprofen or paracetamol. Um, Proper pain relief wasn't discussed at all. Um, And then one week later, I had to go back and have the entire procedure done again. 
So that's just some of the women who got in contact. And I want to thank them all because it, it, it's a very personal thing to talk about and everyone who got in touch with us to share their experience. I mean, I guess what stood out to me was how inconsistent those experiences were. Some women were offered no pain relief. Others seemed to have had the full works. So we thought here on News Talk Breakfast today, we'd ask why. And to help with this, to help with that, we're joined by Dr. Vicky O'Dwyer, consultant obstetrician and director of gynecology at the Rotunda Hospital. Good morning, Vicky. Morning, Brianna. So, Dr. O'Dwyer, I believe there's a coil clinic in the Rotunda Hospital. What's the procedure where you work? How is it inserted? So, there's two places in the Rotunda where we do the coils. So, the first one is our GP-led marina clinic. Um, and people are referred to that um, if it hasn't been possible to put it in in their GP surgery or if it's predicted to be a little bit more challenging. So for women who've had a less procedure or cesarean sections um, and in that clinic, we have the option of giving local anaesthetic um, and that helps, I suppose, with the pain of the insertion. Um, but not everybody needs that. So the standard things would be giving ibuprofen and misoprostol, which is the tablet that softens the cervix. Um, the second clinic we do it in is our hysteroscopy clinic and that's part of that procedure and it's usually a marina coil for treatment of heavy periods as well as for contraception. Um, and what I would say is that clinic has the highest patient satisfaction rate of all our clinics in the hospital um, with 88% saying they'd recommend um, the procedure to a friend or family member. So overall really positive experience. And I believe during the, the coil insertion procedures where you work, there are two care assistants present and you call them the vocal local. Explain that. Yeah, yeah. So um, we have two uh, lovely care assistants, one who helps with the setup for the procedure and one who's chatting to the patient. Um, and it does distract them. Um, and we definitely find it reduces pain scores. So we use um, a pain score scale of 0 to 10 and we use a visual scale as well. Um, and it's it's that distraction technique. Um, and most people going out of the clinic would say, look, I thought this was going to be difficult. It was actually much better than than I expected. And Vicky, the local the vocal local sounds great, but mm. I know if it was me, I'd want something stronger. I'd want I'd want yeah. I'd want chemical help here. And so what are the guidelines when it comes to, to pain medication and pain management? Because as you heard, lots of different women, a mm. lot of different experiences. I mean, what can I ask for? Um, so I suppose I'll tell you what I, what I normally do is I advise people to take two ibuprofen or neurofen, um, at least 30 minutes before insertion, if that's a medication that they can take. Um, and then, um, local anesthetic is an option for some women. Um, it, it, it's not needed for everyone. Um, but the misoprostol tablets are really helpful. So the so way that they tablet, do, so they soften the cervix. So I recommend people take it two hours beforehand. It can either be taken orally or vaginally, um, and that definitely helps. Um, and I think most most GPs, most gynecologists um, will give that in advance of a coil insertion. And, I mean, is there a standard procedure? Why are we seeing such a discrepancy between, between women? Is it all GPs sort of have different procedures, different ways of doing things? Why isn't there one set standard practice here? Yeah, I guess I think that's what the majority of people do. Um, coil insertion is is different for different people. So, for example, if you've got someone who's 20 and they've never had children and they want a coil for contraception, then it's the Jadis coil that we would recommend. It's a much smaller coil that lasts for three years. Whereas if you've got someone who's just had a baby and they're having a coil inserted at their six week check, then we use a marina. It's a slightly bigger coil, but it tends to be really easy to insert 
because the cervix has opened during labor um and for for them that's that's a good option and we've heard stories of women fainting being in a lot of pain bleeding afterwards do you think the coil could be getting a bad rap because of this and around these stories of insertions gone wrong we know it is a, a long-acting reversible contraception we know these work could these stories be putting women off a good thing potentially because of a lack of pain management yes possibly um the reason people faint is as you pass the coil through the cervix they get a drop in their blood pressure and that's why they feel faint that's why they might get sick um and everybody experiences pain differently. So it's really about giving people the options, whether that's, you know, the, the medication, the local anesthetic, or for some people, general anesthetic. Um, and it is rare that we have to do it under general anesthetic, but it should be an option. Um, and I suppose what I normally do is if I'm ser- inserting a coil, I would say to someone, look, at any stage, if it's too uncomfortable, we can stop. There are other options. Um, and I guess for women to know that there are those options out there and just because they choose to have it done um, with, you know, tablet pain relief doesn't mean that they can't choose a different option if it doesn't work out. And for some women, it doesn't. I mean, this is the thing um, is we should, how do we give women the, make women feel empowered enough that they can ask for these things and they know all the information. What would your advice be to a woman maybe considering an IUD, but is a little bit afraid? I think, you know, talk to your GP or your family planning clinic, um, talk to your friends as well. You know, um, if people hear, look, my friend had this, I had a great experience. Um, it is long acting contraception. So, you know, there's huge advantages to that. You could have three to five years. You don't have to take any tablets. Um, it's more effective um, than tablet options. Um, so definitely chat to as many people as you can and get all the information to make the right choice. And there's research that suggests that there is a gender bias when it comes to pain management. Do you think that could be a factor into why women are traditionally not offered all the pain relief options and there's no sort of standard practice around this? Um, I hope not. Um, (laughs) But I I certainly offer people all the different options. That's good to hear. And you had some concerns around the government scheme to offer free contraception to the under 25s. I believe you you think it should be offered to to all women of childbearing age. Talk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, well, I know from the termination of pregnancy service, certainly within the rotunda, we have more women who are over the age of 25 accessing the service than those under 25. Um, And to offer a full service, we would love to be able to offer contraception, including long-acting contraception, for free. Um, Because for some women, it is a barrier. The cost, um, if you have a drug payment scheme card, a coil is €140. And while over time, that works out probably cheaper than a a pill, um, it is a a huge one-off cost that some people just can't afford. Um, and I think, you know, if, why offer to one group, you know, 17, 25, why not offer it to, to everyone of reproductive age? I mean, it's, it's 140 to, to buy the actual coil yeah. and then it can be up to, to 180, um, for insertion. I mean, that's, you know, 300 euro, over 300 yeah. euro. That's not something that, that women can easily afford. I know that it is, um, cheaper in the North and I've heard of women going up to Belfast to get it done. Why is there a pain, uh, sorry, a, a cost discrepancy? Um, the payment structure for medication through the NHS is different um, to what it is in the Irish healthcare system. So if you don't have a medical card or a drug payment scheme card, then you're you're paying a, a larger uh, cost uh, for any medication, including the coil. 
And many health insurance providers don't cover uh, contraception and, and IUD insertion. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, so most of the, the healthcare providers will cover a coil if it's inserted for heavy periods, um, usually as part of a hysteroscopy procedure, um, but not for contraception. Um, but I think first we need to look at what the government can, can offer for us um, before we look at what private healthcare can offer. And what would you like to see the government offer in terms of, of contraception for women? I'd love to see free contraception, whether it's uh, long action contraception, patches, pills. Um, I think offering a, a wide range of contraceptive options to women um, is really important. Um, the copper coil, um, which I think one of the uh, listeners mentioned, is significantly cheaper than a hormone ba- based coil. Um, um, and what's the difference some- between those those two? So the copper coil has no hormones, which is like why a lot of women like it. Um, the downside of it is it can cause heavy periods. Um, it can also be used for emergency contraception, um, which the hormonal types of coil can't. Um, but I would see the vast majority of people are choosing a hormonal coil, whether that's Jadis, Kylina or Marina. Um, the three of them have different amounts of hormone within them. Um, and the Jadis lasts for three years the Kylina and Marina lasting for five years, and the Marina, the one that's used to treat heavy periods as well as contraception. That's Dr. Vicky O'Dwyer. Thanks for joining us here, Dr. Vicky. Really appreciate it this morning.